It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since Tuesday. Uh, we had amazing shows on Monday and Tuesday. Everything you could want in, in an episode. Perfect dialogue, great rhythm, unbelievable flow, terrific guests. It just keeps evolving, this program, and we keep getting more and more popular and, and better, and it's just like it, we, we click, we mesh, like there's that chemistry. You really got to love it. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank all my audience, my co-hosts, my sponsors and guests. You are all incredible. Uh, the show is listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms, and uh, you know, there is a lot of plans uh, for the future of the Rory Sauter Show. Um, I hope you all, and, and we will be, by the way, we will be announcing those plans uh, at the beginning of the year. So first week in January, once we come back on the air, uh, we'll be announcing a lot of different things that I've been working on. And uh, just so everybody knows, uh, this will be the last show of 2019 for my internet show. So tonight's the last night of 2019. I'll be on, on the radio Saturday. But then we won't be back on again. Um, and, yeah, and Saturday, everybody knows I do my AM radio show at KFNX. So I'll be doing that like usual this Saturday. And then after that, uh, not until the first week of January. So uh, it'll be about two and a half weeks, guys. I, I will miss you. I think it's, that's the longest I've ever been off air. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a change of pace. I mean, this, this becomes my livelihood. This becomes my routine. This becomes a part of who I am. You know what I mean? So uh, it's definitely a... Uh, a different sort of transition. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll probably drive myself crazy. I love, I love having this opportunity and this gift to be able to shine my light and utilize this platform and give back. You know, I, and I get such praise from various people on how influential this program is. And I tell them, you know, I, all I do is speak the facts. You know, I, I try to give the best, best, you know, if I ever give an opinion, I try to give the best one possible. And I try to get some of the best voices on with us as well because it, it adds amazing dialogue uh, to, the, to the series, to the show. So, I mean, you know, it, it, everybody contributes. Everybody has a strong part. Um, everybody, I hope your holiday season is going amazing. Uh, Christmas is here. Best time of year. I'm so fired up. I, I love it. I'm in the spirit. I, uh, it's really a special time. Um, always good to catch up with friends and family and uh, you know, do these different traditions and things that, um, you know, it's just, it, it's really awesome. I mean, we get this once a year, you know, we only get cer certain, you know, of these activities. Uh, like I said, it's, it's a, um, it's a special, special uh, se season. And I you know it's my favorite holiday. I love Christmas. Uh, I love, I love the, just everybody's joy. Like everybody's happy. Everybody's walking down the street smiling for the most part, uh, you know, it's just, it's great. It really is. And Trump is making Christmas really great again. I mean, you, you look at how we're saying Merry Christmas again. I mean, when we had Obama in there, we weren't even saying Merry Christmas, um, you know, and, and that was being viewed as hate, uh, saying Merry Christmas. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But, yeah, I hope you all have a bunch of plans. Uh, I got some great plans this holiday season. Going to catch up with family, going to catch up with friends. Going to do a lot of fun things. Going to entertain my hobbies. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so, tonight's a big night. Uh, a lot to get into. Episode 230. Here we are. Again. 
you know, another episode. Like, it, we, we've, I mean, uh, over two years. It's been a roller coaster ride. It's been an unbelievable, surreal experience. You ever asked me two years ago if I ever thought I would be at episode 230? I would have laughed. You know, but I've stuck with it. Um, and it's, it's be, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, part, it's part of who I am, like I said earlier. Um, big headlines in the last couple of days. We're going to get to them tonight. I'm going to introduce the panel. I believe we have with us right now, we have political operative and activist, uh, Corey Jones. Corey, how are you, buddy? Good, Rory. How are you, man? Uh, doing very well. Great to have you here. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, it's, uh, it's been a, uh, it's been a crazy last couple of days, man. Um, it's honestly just yeah. sad. And, um, <clears throat> I think we're all outraged. I think, um, Right. Uh, you know, this this really and the outrage is not partisan either. I mean, we're seeing of course Republicans are outraged. Of course, we've, we're seeing independents outrage. Um, but Democrats are starting to get outraged as well. Democrats that aren't necessarily on the uh, the extremist side of the Democratic Party with the Pelosi's of the world, the Nadler's of the world. Uh, for instance, yeah. I think we had that that congressman to, that that met with Trump today. I, I think I can't remember exactly which state he was from. I think it was from New Jersey, actually, New Jersey congressman. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, oh God, I, I just had his name. Oh, Jeff Van Drew. There you go. Correct. Yeah, I couldn't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, but I mean, it, it was quite incredible to see him actually uh, uh, sit down in light of all that's occurred, in light of all that's happened in the House and in Congress, and really just just the last couple of years of of this treasonous activity by Democrats that in, in all uh, levels of government. Um, you know, he's changing his party affiliation. I mean, this is a guy that's been a Democrat for most of his life, and he's changing his party affiliation. Why? Because, uh, you know, there are people out there that have a moral conscience, and they're, they're, uh, they, they understand that this is wrong. This is wrong what's happening. And uh, Democrats are taking us, the American people, as fools. But uh, really, uh, even Democrat voters, independent voters, they're not fall- they're, they're not falling for it. Because uh, I, I think uh, last time I was on, on on Tuesday, I was on for a brief couple of minutes. I referenced a CNN poll that was released earlier this week. And if anyone knows anything about CNN, CNN is not known for uh, you know putting out pro-Trump polls or polls that reflect well on Trump, really putting anything out at all that reflects well on Trump. But they had a poll that came out, and uh, so they, they uh, obviously interviewed people that, that were Democrat voters, active independent voters, active Republican voters. And three weeks ago, three weeks ago, 90 percent of Democrat voters uh, supported the impeachment process. I think 55 independents and 10 percent Republicans. So these were people that supported the impeachment process. But let's fast forward three weeks later uh, this week. They released the new findings of the polls, and the support amongst Democrat active voters that, that support the impeachment proceedings have dropped 13 percentage points in three weeks. Yeah, yeah, the poll, yeah. Even the main, yeah all these mainstream media polls, even the CNN poll, it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. And this, yeah, this, this is the uh, the CNN poll that I'm that I'm referencing. It's quite incredible to see that. So you have Democrat voters. Um, it's dropped 13 percentage points. Independence, it's, it's dropped two percentage points. Republicans, five percentage points. This is an extremely unpopular move, and it's going to have an adverse effect really on Democrats. It's going to backfire. Um, and really, this is uh, the reason for that is because I think um, most Americans are under the impression that uh, Democrats are trying to, to take us for fools. And what it means by that is that let's let's go back in time to last week whenever they had that famous press conference with uh, Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler, and the rest of them. 
And so they sat in front of the American people for several minutes uh, with the, the frowns right. on their face. They had to bring their tissues because uh, they wanted to put off this impression that they were you know, somber and sad, and that they had to go through this impeachment process. Every single one of them, whenever they got to the mic, they said, this is the saddest day in American history, a somber moment in American history. We didn't want it to come to this, but Trump forced our hands because of his deep-rooted corruption. Well, okay, so let's fast forward five days later, five days later, six days later, however long it's been, last night to the House floor. After Nancy Pelosi uh, announced the results of what had happened in the votes, um, I think it was like 230-something yeas and, and all, of course, all of the Republicans and three Democrats actually voted nay. Um, and then Tulsi Gabbard voted president as well, which is quite interesting. But after Nancy Pelosi announced the results of the votes on the House floor, Democrats were cheering. Cheering at the results of of, of, um, of the votes on the House floor, that doesn't sound like a somber moment in American history to me. It sounds like they're wanting this to happen. You also have Rashida Tlaib, who posted a video on her way to casting her vote on the House floor to impeach Donald Trump. She posted a video right. of herself on social media, right. laughing and cheering as she walked with her constituents to the House floor. Now, Rory, that doesn't seem like a somber moment to me, does it to you? It seems like they wanted this to happen from the very beginning. It's almost as if no. many of these Democratic congressmen and women have campaigned on impeaching Trump. Yeah, go, go it's ahead ridiculous. No, no, Corey, I agree with you. Um, I, I want to – we're going to get into this. This is going to be the main headline tonight. Sure. Stick around. I wanna t- I'm going I'm to get to you here in the next, like, 10, 15 minutes. We're going to get into a lot of stuff. Like I usually do, I'm going to read some small headlines, and then I'm going to go to everybody. Um, but, yeah, please, because I, I definitely want to talk to you about a lot of stuff. For sure, man. Sounds good. Absolutely. Uh, let's welcome to the show. I believe he's with us. we got U.S. Congress candidate for Maryland, Tim Faisenbaker. Tim, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. I'm glad to be on the last show or your internet show for the year. And I just want I want to remind everybody we are living through history. We we yeah. we're pretty sure we know how it's going to how this is all going to play out. But this is yeah. living history, and we are about to see some monumental monumental changes in the way the politics works in this country and the way this government is yeah. is flowing. So I look forward to it. And uh, as always, I uh, I welcome your topics, and I look forward to it. Always a pleasure, Tim. You're a good friend of mine, and uh, always uh, enjoy your insight and what you contribute to the show. You're a great asset. Thank you. Thank you, Roy. Um, let's go to, uh, I believe we, we have with us, U.S. congressional candidate from Arizona. We have Chris Taylor. What's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on again. It's always great to be with you. This is a special uh, last show of the year uh, with history being made. Um, it's glad I'm glad to be here. Absolutely, Chris, and you're a good friend of mine, and you're a great asset to the show, and, and we always love having you here. Thank you for thank you for coming on. Anytime. All right, everybody. So as I do every episode, um, I just want to just start with the small stuff. You know, this is the, the various headlines that have occurred in the last couple of days, and uh, then we're going to get to the big stuff. Obviously, we're going to get to the impeachment. Uh, there's a lot to get into. So what I want to start with, um, you know, this is, this is interesting, and, uh, you know, I think it really needs to uh, be kind of put out there. Uh, Go- Governor Northam, and, you know, I can't believe this guy uh, still has a job. 
I mean, if this, if this was a Republican, if this was anyone else, they would be crucified. They would be chased out. It would be hell. But no, the Democrats live by a different standard. Governor Northam gets away with all that racist shit, all the KKK stuff, all the, you know, the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, all the segregation stuff. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's, he's admitted in certain ways that he was a part of, you know, the Klan. In certain aspects, he was. I mean, not a big, big member, but back in the day, he, he associated with those people and at those parties. And, you know, we, we saw this come out with the blackface. We saw, you know, him make excuses and say, you know, I, every, everything in the book you can think of. I mean, the guy never took any sort of responsibility or accountability. He never even came out and simply said, I was, I mean, he didn't. I, I, it, it, it was, his apology was extremely cheap. It was extremely um, flawed. There was um, there was nothing. Um, uh, God, what? Oh shit! What's the thing I'm looking? There was nothing sincere about the way he came across. And then, I think this was this was about a year ago. I think this whole scandal occurred. I, I, as everything in the media, you know, people forget. Other things come up. You know, and that that lets a lot of these people that go through scandals off the hook. And that's a big problem. Because it's not just with Northam. It's with all these different people. But anyways, I, I don't want to get too off topic with saying what Northam's guilty of because we all know. Uh, but he, he's putting something in place. And this, this is happening with all sorts of Democrats around the country. And it's destroying Virginia uh, with taxpayers. And you're seeing this in California. You're seeing this in Washington. You're seeing this in New York, Chicago. Anywhere there's liberals in charge, you're going to see these sort of policies, which is Free community college for all. $145 million legislation. That's right. $145 million of taxpayer money that is being funded to, I mean, a lot, a lot of these people have no intention. I mean, I'm not going to say all, but a lot of them are, you know, not the smartest birds in the world. They're low life. They're, they're uneducated, and they just go to these schools to waste time. There's a lot of people that aren't serious about going to college, doing these certain things, and they think that, you know, and let's just say they do, though. Let's, say let, let's, give, let's give another example of a different category. There's also people that are so entitled and don't think they should have to pay their way at college, so they condone these sort of legislation. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, you know, it's like sending the wrong message. In America – you're supposed to earn everything. You're supposed to live for the American dream. You're supposed to embrace it. You're not supposed to get shit handed to you on a silver platter. You know, I, I, I understand that there are certain people that are privileged and certain people that have wealthy families and stuff like that. I'm not hating on that. I'm hating on people that think that they can go out and are entitled to other people's dough, other people's money, just random strangers. It's ridiculous. I mean, how is that? How is that fair? Everything you work for, think about it. You're giving to a communism cause because you know they try to say, "Oh, well, it's a good deed, it's a good gesture, giving college for all." No, no, it's 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 it's, it's sending the message of, "I don't have to take responsibility. I can have the government bail me out. You know, I don't have to pay my way like everybody else." It's like, and look at look at the debt. Look at the debt that college you know, the loans with colleges. I mean, I 
there's more than half the population right now in college debt. I talk to people all the time that go to college, get these degrees, are in massive debt, and they're only making what? Some of them only making 30000 a year. And I'm like, why would you go spend all that money on that degree, and then you're making that kind of money? It's like you're it, – it really, like the logic, you know, and I, I'm not hating on people and their jobs, but it doesn't make sense how individuals want to bankrupt themselves and – Oh, my God. And, and then the alternative is with these liberals, oh, well, all these people have such high bills and high, high loan uh, dues. We'll make it free. No. Then you leave the taxpayer with the freaking bill, and they have to be accountable. It's never free. Nothing is ever free. It comes out of taxpayers. Jesus. And it goes into everything else we talk about. Slavery reparations. Illegals coming into the country. Um, health. Medicare for all. These are all radical ideologies that they're trying to put into place. It's amazing how generous politicians are with other people's money. Wow. All right, moving on. I, I, you know, I, I, get, I get angry about this stuff. This stuff pisses me off, man. I really get uptight when these fools think that they can just, just hand it out, just hand it out, give it away, give away other people. Give me a break. Um, here's something, and I talked about this on my show last week. And we need to talk about this. Um, you know, this whole Netflix, I mean, they, they have gone so far left. They have gone so far communist. They are beyond the extreme that we could ever even think of. These people are animals. They are trying to take away Western civilization. They are trying to take away signature values. They are trying to take away all our traditions. They want to erase America. They want to put in all this third world material. They want to push for gun control. They want to push for climate change. They want to push for illegals. You name it, everything wrong, they want to do. And here's another problem. They want to bash on religion. I talked about last week on my show, uh, they recently put out a film about gay Jesus. Yes, they're abusing the Bible and disrespecting our faith, and they're trying to make a mockery out of it. They're trying to make it and it, it, says, it says it's a comedy. So now you have so many people outraged. Over 2 million people have signed a petition um, saying that it needs to be done. Get it the hell out of here. This is wrong. People are canceling their subscriptions. I mean, they already have been ever since Obama take o- took over recently. You have people canceling constantly. Nobody wants to be indoctrinated with this bullshit. It's wrong. It's gross. It's disgusting, and if we don't accept it, if we don't like it, we're called bigots, we're called Nazis. That's why this whole equality narrative is bullshit. That's why it's wrong. That's why it's sending the totally wrong message and confusing everyone. It's brainwashing. I'm not Michael Jordan. I'm not freaking Kobe Bryant. We're never all going to be equal. Grow up. Find your niche. Find what you're good at and shut up and go do it. Stop whining to the government. Stop whining to politicians. Stop thinking they're going to cure all your damn problems so you never have to work the rest of your life. Give me a break. Seriously. Like, what the hell, man? Jesus. We've got so a lot of smart people in this country, but we have a lot of idiots, too, in this country. A lot of overly entitled people that think they should get a trophy for everything they do. And if they don't, they got to make a damn headline about it of how it's hateful. 
Jesus, man. Then you got trannies, got the chicks with the dick, going in the locker room, going in the bathroom, trying to go in there with your little girl, trying to trying to push their it's disgusting, this agenda. Enough. All right. Okay. Um, here's something, and we've talked about this on my show many times. Jeffrey Epstein, our boy Jeffrey, the guy that had all the information on the elites, on the powerful, on the rich, all those people he had information on. He had, he had a, it was like an insurance policy in a sense. In case anything ever went south, in case anything ever went wrong, he could lean back on this to get him out of trouble and, you know, expose people. You know, a lot of bribery, a lot of blackmail, a lot of extortion. But anyway, you know, we talked about how his death was a sham. He did not kill himself. There's no way in hell. Um, everything didn't add up. You had guards that supposedly fell asleep. Um, you know, other things. You had uh, a guy that was transported out of there, his roommate, when in reality where he was, you're supposed to have a roommate at all times. Uh, you heard screaming coming from his cell. You had broken cameras in front of his cell that was supposed to be monitoring his every move. Uh, you have random people coming to visit. There was like one random or two random people came to visit him, and they like mentioned that later. I mean, there, there's a lot of things here that and, – and how – and when you took the body out, I'm sure everybody saw the photo. It didn't look anything like it. It looked like a prop. It looked like a fake. It didn't even look real. And, you know, here's something. When have you ever seen a body open when it comes out of anywhere? They're usually shut and closed and tucked for many reasons, courtesy, privacy. I mean, there's different variables of why. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's another thing. How the hell? Think about who he was involved with. Think about who he knew. The pedophile, Bill Clinton, even though, you know what? Bill's done a lot of bad things, and I get that, but uh, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's insane. And, you know, we have uh, Prince Andrew, um, you know, all these people. Who else? There were other people on that plane. There were all these different people. And they try to say Trump was friends with them. Trump had a photo with him one time or maybe talked to him two times in his life. They weren't buddies like Bill Clinton. But anyways, I don't want to get too off topic. But this whole Epstein thing, uh, they now said, the prosecutors, that surveillance footage outside Jeffrey Epstein's cell is missing. So at first, a month ago or two months ago, we heard it was broken and down. Now it's missing. Now it's disappeared. Now it's gone. Are you telling me this is not a government cover-up? Of course it is. This is like Las Vegas, the shooting in Las Vegas. This is like 9-11. This is like all the mysteries and all the things they don't tell us, and all the cover-ups. This is madness. This is the government purposely misleading us. And you know what? They report it a few times in the news, and they know eventually we'll get distracted because there's all these things happening, so then we'll focus our minds elsewhere. It's, it's such a trick. Think about this. We never got questions answered on all these different various events. The deep state exists. It's strong, and it's there. People in our government want to do something bad, they're going to do it. Um, okay, here's something really interesting, and I'm sick of this Pope. You know, I'm tired of him. I mean, I was born and raised Catholic, went to Catholic grade school and high school, um, so I know all about the religion. I, you know, 
And uh, the, this Pope, this Pope Francis, this guy's the Antichrist. This guy's the devil. This guy uh, is everything that's wrong with the world. I mean, this guy is trying to push ideologies and legislation that uh, take countries backwards as far as possible. Talk about illegal immigration, trying to enable the, 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 uh, the homosexuals, trying to enable the trannies, trying to enable all these different people, all these different groups, Black Lives Matter. You know, whatever happened to popes that didn't talk politics? Whatever happened to the great John Paul II? What, I mean, I know, I know he passed, but I'm just giving you an example, like good traits, good quality, good character, people that actually focus on the job and not other propaganda bullshit. I mean, I, I hate this guy, this pope. You know, he has, it was just announced today, Pope Francis has a migrant crucifix. Yeah, that's right, an, an immigrant crucifix installed in the Vatican. This guy, and you know what? He's, he's, he's enabling abortion providers. He's enabling homosexuality. And I'm not hating on the gay religion, but if you have a job as a pope in the Catholic Church, you are ordered and, and supposed to abide by what the Catholic Church stands for. And you know what? I know the Catholic Church is corrupt. I know they have their flaws. I'm not saying they don't. But at the same time, dude, you can't be pushing this third world bullshit. Seriously. It's a whole new level of craziness. This Pope, um, I don't know how much longer he's going to be in there, but he's divisive. And he, he's backed our president, too. How freaking dare him? Who the hell is he? Who the hell are you, bro? Really? Seriously, you try to back Trump for the border wall? Your whole Vatican kingdom is covered by border walls. Nobody can get in there. Joke, man. Um, okay. You know, this is this, – <laughs> This is something that's going to blow everybody's mind. But Afghanistan, a war that we should never be in, a pointless, in my opinion, I think we should have been out of there a long time ago. Whether we should have been there for a month or two, different story. I don't, you know, I'm not going to give an answer on that because I don't, I go back and forth. I don't, you know, but what? What are we now, 20 years later and we're still there? This war is about making money. Trump's not a war guy. He wants to get these people out of there as quick as possible. And what, what's the end game? Like, what does it solve? What, what, what's the result? More lives lost, more money spent. I, I mean, it's like, it's a, it seems to me like a pointless venture at this point. Bring our boys home. Bring our, bring our heroes home. You know, get them back with their families. And to think that they were treated so badly by the Obama administration while fighting for our country in terms of, like, the VA, in terms of all this. I mean, it was so backwards and messed up until Trump came in to fix it, the VA. But I'll tell you, um, anyways, Afghanistan, they get three times the taxpayer funding than what the U.S. border wall is getting. So think about that. We're in a pointless war in the Middle East that we don't need to be in, but, but the elites and the globalists have so much money invested into it that they keep us there. But to protect our own country with a border wall, we don't get nearly as much money as Afghanistan. Trump, come on, man. I know you're, I know you're, I know you're out there making moves, doing big things, and I know you're, you've addressed this issue, but really, we need to bring our boys home. Enough is enough. And Trump, you're in there. You're the big dog. There's a new sheriff in town. No world leader is going to cross you. You really think they will? There's no way. You terrified Kim Jong-un, a guy that's not terrified of anybody. 
I mean, what did, what did Barack Obama say when he, when he came into office? Kim Jong-un is the biggest threat. A year later, guess what happened? Kim Jong-un and Trump are sitting across from each other smiling. Amazing how that works, isn't it? It's amazing. Um, okay, headline time. Big stuff now. Let's get into it. So, guys, I mean, this impeachment thing, what a joke. A circus? A Hollywood movie set, no legitimate cause, no sufficient evidence, all hearsay. There is absolutely no merit on what they're saying. Don't forget, all these star witnesses were supposed to be the smoking gun. They were supposed to crack the toe. They were supposed to be these amazing, you know, revealers. But in reality, they knew nothing. You had one of the star witnesses that was supposedly drinking wine during the entire conversation. You had another star witness witness who was, I think, eating, and then you had another star witness who said he can't uh, confirm because he only heard half of the conversation. I mean, and then you have the only thing that's legitimate and um, has any sort of weight is what Sondland says when he asked the president, because he actually talked to the president, and the president said, I want nothing. No quid pro quo. No quid pro quo. What's so hard to understand about that? I'm curious. When he's very clear, and you know what? I mean, it's obvious. Why are you going to give aid to a country that is known for years and years of corruption? I mean, these politicians over there are known for taking so much money. And don't forget, and I talked about this the other shed other day on my show, House Democrats violated the First, the Fourth, the Fifth, and the Sixth Amendment during the impeachment inquiry. They did. They violated all those. And what, like, the end game here is ridiculous. You have all these liberals, all these uneducated fools, delusional people on the left cheering. Oh, Trump is going to be gone. It's over. Yeah, really? Really? He's gonna, it's going to go to the Senate. It's going to be rejected in about two seconds. There's nothing. There is nothing there. The only reason they want to impeach him is because they can't beat him. They're threatened by him. And he's exposing all their special interests and exposing the D.C. swamp. Think about what he's brought to the circus. Think about what he's, uh, you know, dug out on, in terms of dirt on people. If, if, if we wouldn't have had him in office, none of this Me Too stuff, none of these elites, none of this deep state shit would have ever came out. This guy created a movement like never seen before. And it's a clear bias. It's a clear hate with these Democrats. You know, they just announced the House. It doesn't matter what the Senate says. We're going to continue this witch hunt. We're going to continue harassing the president as long as we want. We're going to continue. We're going to continue the investigation. And it's only making him more popular. I mean, he's up so many points in all these various polls. CNN poll, he's, it, he, they, don't, they don't want him impeached in the CNN poll. They don't want him impeached in the USA Today poll. All these mainstream media polls are in Trump's favor. People are sick of it. You know, even though people may not like Trump, certain people, I think certain people understand that this is a partisan bullshit hit job. It really is. Um, and I think a lot of people – are going to start liking Trump because of this. 
Because when you look at all these Democrats for all these three years trying to impeach the president and they come up short and they have nothing, they could have spent all that time working there for their constituents and policy. And that's going to go over terribly when you have these voters that were so, you know, set and, and their heart was, you know, focused on impeaching the president. And, I mean, think about this. These people are so emotional, these voters. How the hell are their um, elected officials going to explain this? I just, don't, I just don't see it going over well. And how the hell is it fair that you have Democrats who are running for president, like Elizabeth Warren, in the Senate that are going to try to confront, try to interrogate this situation? Conflict of interest much? I mean, among other things that it violates? And now Nancy Pelosi doesn't know whether she wants to send the articles of impeachment to Senate because she knows it's going to get rejected right away. So it's all a game. This is a stupid game that they're playing. Um, let's go to let's go to Tim Faisenbaker, running for Congre- U.S. Congress in Maryland. Go ahead, Tim. I'll let you start. Oh, I got to start with Governor Ralph Northam down here in Virginia. And as you know, I'm from Maryland, just right above Virginia. And Virginia, I have to give it to the Patriots. They are standing up and saying, okay, you want to play these games? We're going to play back, and now they are having those sanctuary counties with those with the with the gun rights, and there there are movements going on. There's a big movement January 20th in Richmond to stop this socialist uh, movement going on in in Virginia of all places. Now, if you're not from that area, just a quick thing about Virginia: it's very red except for the very top, which is the suburbs of D.C., which also is much of Maryland, which is the same way. It's very red, except Baltimore and that, that area around D.C. So this is shaking up to be a, a very interesting battle. But Governor Ralph Nobum is that type of person that is the typical left. They say certain things to make themselves appear a certain way, yet we find out their past is always what they claim the right to be. And that's called transference, and it, my background is I was an executive in mental health, and transference is a real thing. They, they think something about somebody else because it's really within themselves. So he is, uh, uh, he is ideal for, for the, the left, and I, we all know he's going to be able to keep his job like he has, which moves into another thing that we all knew was going to happen, and that was Jeffrey Epstein killing himself which we all know Epstein didn't kill himself. How is it that we knew way before he killed himself, supposedly, that this was all going to happen? And then we all knew that after it happened, it would be covered up and whitewashed, and we would never find out the real truth. Yes, a lot of people will say it's conspiracy theory stuff, but you know what? It it happened. We predicted it because it is always happening with these types of people you have all these all these uh people in power around the world mainly leftists and they're associating with this and then of course they try to cover it up which is just a big red flag to many people that there are two types of uh systems out there those who have and those who don't and unfortunately for most of us we are in that those who don't and we want the same justice system for them that we have as well. The Pope, 
this was interesting. I, I was glad that you brought this up. Uh, another a little conspiracy thing, and for history nuts like myself, St. Malachy was a person that predicted the lineage of popes and what they would uh, portray or represent for Catholicism and Christianity. And in his prophecy, which was probably back in the 1100s, if I remember correctly, he predicted the last pope would be the current pope that we have. And the fact that we see uh, a pope that is more concerned with social justice and socialism compared to the actual ideology of Catholicism, and I was I was raised Catholic for a bit as well, so I knew a bunch about this. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting that you have that prophecy, and then you have this this pope that is antithetical to many of of the teachings of great popes like Pope John Paul II. So uh, I always wanted I always tell people when, when you hear the pope talk, and if you really listen to what the pope is saying. It's not really about ideology with religion. It's more socialism, and I just say look at the walls around the Vatican to protect themselves, and then the pope tells us you can't have a wall to protect your own borders. Well, you have a fence to protect your own property, and you have walls to protect your house where you live, and then the pope has walls around the Vatican. But not for us. It's there again. It's that two systems: those who have and those who don't. Uh, Afghanistan. This is uh, uh, we went in there probably for the right reasons, uh, but we're still there, and we need to be out of there. That is a mess. It's a quagmire. It's uh, we want to bring our, our guys and girls home, and that is what Trump, I believe, believes in his heart, which he wants to get out of these affairs, which are money making. Uh, wars. We don't want that. We don't want to be interventionists. We want to be as strong as possible so that we can protect ourselves if need be, but we don't want to be in these other governments losing lives so that we can make money for those power players, those who have versus those who don't. So and the big thing, the impeachments. And I can go on forever with this, but with the impeachment... Tim, I yeah. just want to mention real quick. I just want to mention real quick. I didn't mention this in the impeachment opening of, of what of my uh, segment, but it was announced today that the RNC reached record highs in donations and fundraising, and the stock market is getting more high records after this impeachment. It's only backfiring. Go ahead, though. Sorry. It it is only backfiring, and and, and being a congressional candidate myself, and, and new in, in like Donald Trump, I, I was new. At being a politician, same thing for here for myself. It's it's interesting because when these things happen, these attacks, there is a lot of money that flows in to campaigns. And I never thought that uh, an impeachment would actually be helping my congressional campaign in terms of donations and support, but it does. And I think what we are seeing is a is a big change or a schism within the Democrat Party. They might be become yeah. the party of the Whigs, and I think their end game is to tarnish the reputation of President Trump, and and because they know that they're going to lose, and maybe that is yeah. their objective, just to tarnish him to get under his skin. But I think he is mature and and wise enough to know that 
that is uh, a blemish that nobody will really care about because they know that this has become a farce. People don't respect the process anymore, and, and people are, are going, oh, impeachment, that's nothing. But in the 90s growing up, and, and impeachment happened with Bill Clinton, that was something really serious. Here, we know what it is, and the American public knows it. They're turning. I, I see it out in the field all the time and talking to constituents. They're going, I've always been a Democrat, but I am not a socialist. I am not voting for that party anymore. I'm voting for Trump, and I'm voting for you, Tim. And I think we are making America great again, and we can keep America great. Thanks to President Trump setting all those things in play. And I am waiting to see the election results on November 3rd, 2020, because I think it's going to be a strong landslide. And we are going to get our country moving in the right direction again. So great topics tonight, Rory, as always. And uh, I look forward to the rest of the show. Absolutely. And Tim, you know, I, I like what you said. You're absolutely right with in terms of uh, Democrats not recognizing their party. I mean, you know, they, they may not agree with Trump on everything, but it's a hell of a lot better than voting communism. It's a hell of a lot better than voting for stuff like the Green New Deal. I mean, the left has totally lost um, – they're, they're totally out of touch with, with the working class, with the everyday American. I mean, it's, it's turned into a, a circus. I mean, at least like I say on my show all the time, even though I don't – I, even though I've never really agreed with the Democratic Party, at least they were a party of substance. You know what I mean? Yep. At some point. Yes. And now, now they're not. And I think we see this historically with countries that have this socialist movement. They get to a certain point where the, the mass of people go, wait a minute, that's not what we want. And then that's when they right. force tyrannical communism onto those people, and those countries really fall apart. And Americans yeah. are smart enough to say we're not going down that path. We're going to jump off that ship now. So that's what I think is going on. Absolutely, 100 uh, percent. Tim, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Very well said, everything. Thank you. Um, let, let's, let's go to a U.S. congressional candidate in Arizona. Let's go to Chris Taylor. Chris, your thoughts on everything, my friend. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm seeing the same things out here. The, the district that I'm running in is a uh, it's a swing district. It's a district that Donald Trump won by only one percent. Uh, it's one of the only districts that both Romney and Trump carried while electing a Democrat to Congress, and uh, it's, it's incredibly rural. And everyone I see, you know, they're just they're they're calling the the bluff of the Democratic Party. They, they see the sham for what it is. Um, and you know the, the the articles that they ended up uh, drawing on impeachment were incredibly weak. You know they they wanted to talk all about bribery and all this stuff, but then they didn't even they didn't even write that into the articles. It was just uh, it was a sham. And um, and then today they turn around and they and they pass the USMCA. Um, you know it's it's just uh, they could have got got that done months ago if they wouldn't have been uh, involved in this nonsense. And uh, I believe that that my district is going to go even greater for Donald Trump. Um, there's a lot of uh, center-leaning Democrats who reject the socialist takeover of that, that party. And same thing with Tim. They, they're telling me that you know they're Democrats, that they're going to vote for Donald Trump, and they're going to vote for me for Congress. And uh, we're, we're seeing that all across the country. Um, it's going to be a it's going to be a good year for Republicans, and uh, um, I'm just happy to be here. Happy to 
to be uh, involved in this, happy to be fighting the good fight um, uh, for, for conservatives and for the values and principles that, that make this country great. Um, that's what we're here for. That's what the people demand, and that's why we need more candidates that are uh, not typical politicians that are going to come and, and are going to stand and fight for what the, the people want, not what the establishment uh, uh, wants. And so that's, that's why I'm here. Um, I enjoy your show. Great topics tonight. Um, there's probably people more smarter than, than I am, but I'm glad you let me put my two cents into it. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And Chris, you have, you have, uh, you have some other thoughts on some of the other topics. I'm sure you, uh, and I, I know you're always involved and, and you, 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 you're always up to date with what's going on. Yeah. So the Afghanistan thing, you know, I, I spent 16 months in Afghanistan. I'm a combat veteran. Um, the Washington Post uh, reporting that came out uh, last week about, you know, the, the, the whole thing with the military industrial complex, uh, you know, how are we still there 20 years later? Uh, and everything that's gone on, I just can't believe that we're still there fighting when all of this money has been put into a, to a, to a scam. Um, it's just it, it's 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 sickening. I know so many of my friends uh, that were killed in Afghanistan, and so many more who have come home uh, dealing with things like post-traumatic stress and the veterans' suicide epidemic. You know, we we deserve better. And, and uh, you know, I wish that we had uh, more people that would stand up and, and demand for our, our troops to come home. I hope Donald Trump can get that uh, very soon because we should not be in Afghanistan anymore. Um, there's, there's no such thing as a, a peace deal with the Taliban. We just need to get out and get our boys home. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you got some other thoughts on some of the other stuff? Um, refresh my memory. <laughs> what else were we talking I talked about? about just various things. You know, I talked about the Epstein thing. I talked about, uh, I talked about, uh, the, the, uh, let's see. Just, I'm reading the list right now. Um, you know, just, just, yeah, a lot of different things. The Vatican, the Pope, uh, the Netflix gay Jesus Christmas special. Yeah, I'll just say the one thing. I mean, I don't know how anybody could believe that Jeffrey Epstein uh, killed himself. You know, that's we see these uh, crazy memes. It's like kind of like a joke now, but you know, like our Christmas lights, they're not going to hang themselves like Jeffrey Epstein. You know, that, that's all I got to say with that. I, it's just, a, it's just, a, I don't know. I, it's I, I can't believe that that they're trying to to uh, you know make us believe that he killed himself. All this stuff. I mean. He had so much information on so many different people, the the elitists, uh, and it's just a joke. It's a mockery. Uh, there's no way that he killed himself. Exactly. No, absolutely. Uh, very well said. Thanks, Chris. Let's go to Corey. Corey, go ahead. <clears throat> hey, Rory. Um, so let me just uh, go through a few of the things that you talked about a lot of great topics tonight actually um you know first i, I will say um just i'll, I'll go from uh, initially what you started with that being ralph northam and so i was actually like you've uh, uh, said before to your viewers i go to liberty university in uh, lynchburg virginia and so i'm very familiar with ralph northam actually i i door knocked for um ed gillespie who was his challenger uh, back i think a year and a half ago 
And, uh, man, Virginia could have dodged a bullet if they would have actually elected him. You know, Trump actually endorsed Ed Gillespie, did so last minute, um, and, and really gave him a push in the polls. But Virginians wanted Ralph Northam, and they got what they voted for. And so Ralph, Ralph Northam, I mean, Roy, can you answer this question? Is there any Republican under the sun that would have gotten away with some of the stuff that he's done in the past? You know, you have no, not even a chance. Okay. Not a chance. Yeah. Not a chance in hell that a single Republican would ever get away with what he's gotten away with. Um, I mean, think of this also. Justin Trudeau, Canadian prime minister. And I know oh, yeah. Different- and then Obama endorses him. Obama's supposed to be for <laughs> racial equality and supposed to be for yep. all the people of color, but he endorses uh, a, a racist. I mean, it, it's the biggest hypocrisy show, hypocrisy show I've ever seen. So to some of your viewers who may have not um, heard about this, because listen, the mainstream media didn't cover this for too long. It was in the news cycle one day, and it was completely flushed out. Um, So guys, Justin Trudeau, the Canadian prime minister, uh, there were uh, pictures surfaced uh, of him back in, I think, early 2001, 2002, of him wearing blackface at one of his parties. Um, This is is a Canadian prime minister, a guy that's been praised by leftists and progressives. Um, and, you know, he was given a pass. Ralph Northam, Democrat, a governor of, of Virginia, he was given a pass. All these people were given a pass. Can you imagine what would, ha- would have uh, happened if Trump would have worn blackface? You know, I mean, he would have gotten assassinated by now. It's, it's insane. I don't doubt that he would have actually. There would have been attempts on his life if there would have been pictures that surfaced with him in blackface or him in a KKK hood. I mean, there are already people that want to kill him today. Um, I mean, we had comments, and this is horrific. Um, so James Clyburn, he's the House Majority Whip, um, said on CNN today, and let me get this quote directly from his mouth. Let's give him, and, and he was referring to Trump, a fair trial and then hang him. I'll repeat that again. Let's give him a fair trial and hang him. That's what a, a Democrat congressman said today on CNN. And so then you have people in the media support getting his back and saying, oh, that's not what he meant. You know, He, he didn't mean – he was referring to something else. He was using that as an analogy. Well, I mean, they uh, these are the same people that have been uh, taking Trump's words out of context for four years now. They, when, when do uh, people in the media ever give Trump the benefit of the doubt? Well, the answer to that question is never. They never do. And so this is horrific. We are seeing we are seeing people in the media, um, such as as the guy I just mentioned. We're, we're seeing people like Ralph Northam. We're seeing guys like Justin Trudeau. All these people are given a pass uh, for their mistakes. In the past, and um, you know, I'm I'm all for forgiveness and redemption, but what I hate is a double standard. And so, whenever you're holding Republicans, whenever you're holding conservatives to a standard that you're not uh, also holding Democrats to, liberals to, and that's whenever the issue lies. That's where the issue lies. Um, and you also mentioned something about Netflix. And so, Netflix, as I'm sure many people know by now, they came out with a special, a Netflix special uh, portraying Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I'm a Christian. As a homosexual, and so for me personally, I think homosexuality is a sin. I think it's, it's immoral, but I don't mind people that um, you know. I don't want the government to define marriage. You know, I want homosexuals to be able to engage in their behavior so long as it's consensual between two adults. I don't want the government defining marriage. Um, but I don't want, on the other hand, are, are people uh, uh, really pushing homosexuality in, into culture and promoting it as it, as if it's some some form of inherent good. And, and for instance, uh, it's really blasphemous in my mind to portray Jesus as a homosexual, and it's, it's greatly offensive to many conservatives and Christians and evangelicals in this country. 
You have people, for instance, that have portrayed Muhammad. Uh, whenever I'm referring to Muhammad, I'm obviously referring to the, the Quran um, and, and Allah. That, 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 that Muhammad, which, funny enough, is the number one name for UK-born citizens. That goes to the entire uh, uh, issue of immigration, which I won't get into. But you have people that have, right. have artists portrayed Muhammad in a negative light, and those individuals have gotten death threats. Many of them have had to move. There have been people that have gotten killed for portraying Muhammad in a negative light. Yet for some reason, um, there's no outrage from the media whenever it comes to uh, Netflix portraying Jesus Christ in this light. But it really comes down to the fact that conservatives are really bad at boycotting. We give Starbucks a pass whenever they their employees label police officers as pigs. We give um, we give Target a pass whenever they have transgender bathrooms. We give Netflix a pass whenever they promote these these you know these horrific shows. Um, right. Liberals, Democrats, they never give us a pass. They boycott. I'll give them credit. They do a, an effective job at, do, at doing so. I mean, we're even we're even seeing Chick Fil A, and you've mentioned Chick Fil A on your show hundreds of times. You know, uh, Chick Fil A donating to the SBLC, Southern Poverty Law Center. Even it seems like even Chick Fil A has given in to the leftist boycotts. Because I will say, leftists and liberals are very, very effective at their boycotting and, and withholding funds from conservative institutions, conservative corporations. And so conservatives have to come together and really do the same. Thing. Um, we make up such a large portion of this country. If we and look what happened to the NFL, we had a, a boycott for several weeks uh, from the NFL. Conservatives banded together. Many of us just turned off the television completely. People stopped going to games. And so, what happened after we did that? You saw Colin Kaepernick get pushed out of the league. And he can't even get a job. He can't do anything anymore. You know why? Because we, we banded together and we showed a large corporation, a large entity, that we are not going to allow them to promote a, a leftist agenda, one that is antithetical to our worldview. We're not going to allow them to do that. And so we can be effective in the same way that liberals are um, if we band together. And I'm sure you agree with that, those things. Absolutely. No, 100%. No, very well said. I agree with everything. Um, Right on point, yeah. and, and we really need, we really need to find that uh, middle ground. I mean, too many we're so divisive. I mean, everybody can't properly have well, not everybody, but there's a lot of people in this country that can't civilly have a disagreement. You know, I mean, it's come to such hostility. Um, but yeah, Corey, I, thank you I so agree. much. Yeah, very very well yeah. said. Um, Corey, if you can stick around for a little bit, please. Uh, but also uh, tell everybody where they can connect with you as well, all your all your stuff. Sure, sure. So I'm on Twitter at the Corey. Um, then I'm on uh, Instagram at the Corey Jones as well. And um, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll probably uh, stick around. I do want to say a few more things about this impeachment uh, fiasco later on. I mean, this is this is really an absolute disgrace, and uh, it's shameful what's happening to our country right now. It's really sad, actually, Rory. It, it really is. At the end of the day. It really is. It really is. It's a disgrace. And I'm going to get back to you here very shortly. Um, I do want to welcome uh, to the show, I believe he's with us. I want to make sure we have former Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush aide and political consultant Peter Ferreira. Peter, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm here. I'm, I'm glad to be with you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Peter? Great to have you here. Uh, first time on the show, like I do with all my guests when they first come on. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how it all started for you, how you got to where you are. Very impressive resume. 
Well, you know, I uh, I I uh, I I worked on the on the 1980 Reagan campaign act actually, and uh, uh, and then I got close with William Simon, and he recommended me to the Reagan White House. They ended up hiring me at at, at HUD first. They, I was special assistant to the assistant secretary for policy development and research. And from there, I got hired to the White House policy staff, Office of Policy Development. It was actually really in the name for what was effectively domestic, poli- the domestic policy council in the Reagan administration. And, um, and so I, I, I worked uh, – at first, I thought I worked on enterprise zones, and, uh, which was Jack Kemp's idea for little Hong Kongs in the poorest, poorest segments of America. And, uh, and then, so where they were designated as enterprise zones, they were going to have areas of lower taxes, lower regulations, and uh, uh, increased economic growth, focused economic growth. And Kemp used to argue, you know, uh, you don't lose any revenues by lowering the taxes in, in economically uh, undeveloped areas. And so, uh, so he argued for these enterprise zones. And uh, so uh, I worked on, on that at HUD. And then when the White House staff got to know me, uh, one of Reagan's senior policy advisors, Robert Carlson, hired me to work for him on the White House policy staff. And so Robert Carlson was a welfare expert. And I worked on welfare, social security issues, uh, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, healthcare issues, and uh, and so uh, I stayed there for a year. I then practiced law in Washington for a while. I was later hired by my friend Bill Barr when he became Attorney General uh, under the Bush administration. I was uh, Associate Deputy Attorney General of the United States. I was on Bill Barr's personal staff. I worked with him in in the private law practice, and then. Uh, uh, when George W. Bush was defeated by Clinton, uh, I went uh, back into private practice. I actually went on and taught at uh, George Mason University School of Law. And then uh, a few years later, I worked as the senior economic policy advisor to Newt Gingrich when he ran for president in 2012. And he actually won uh, – I believe he won the Iowa primary in 2012. And um, – he was at the top of the polls, but uh, then I left the the, the, uh, the bus where he was riding across the country to visit somebody down in New Orleans at the time, and then uh, he started to decline in the polls after that. And so uh, uh, then uh, uh, in 2012, uh, Obama was reelected because uh, uh, Mitt Romney – Ended up getting the Republican nomination, and he wasn't a very good candidate. And so uh, uh, we then had to suffer eight, eight years of Obama before we had a chance to get back in, into power with uh, Donald Trump getting elected. And so uh, during those interim years, I worked at the Heritage Foundation. I worked at the Cato Institute. I worked centrally with Grover Norquist to help him uh, uh, take over the Americans for Tax Reform. That originally was created by the Reagan White House to pass the 86 Tax Reform Act, and when they asked, you know, who, who should we have the president, I recommended my friend Grover Norquist, and he's done a brilliant job with it, and I can't take credit for all the success he's had because that 
was in large measure his success. So, uh, uh, so that was another one of the people I collaborated with in Washington over those years. I've written several books. Did, wait, uh, did you say did you say Oliver North? No, I didn't say Oliver North. It was Grover. It was my friend Grover Norquist. Uh, at American Okay, I, miss, I, misheard, I misheard you wrong. Sorry, keep going. Sorry about that. Yeah, so uh, I've written several books. I looked at the Heartland Institute uh, most recently, and uh, uh, and so I wrote a book for the Heartland Institute. I wrote several books for, books for the Cato Institute on uh, on Social Security and the idea of uh, following the South American nation of Chile and adopting the freedom for people to choose private savings, investment, and insurance accounts and substitute for Social Security. And uh, under that opportunity, middle class, we have the data to show that middle class people would be able to retire as millionaires if they can invest the money that they and their employers pay in taxes into Social Security and actually invest it in the the capital markets, stocks and bonds. They would accumulate just the standard long-term returns, a million dollars by retirement. So Middle class people will retire as millionaires under that uh, under that reform. Uh, this was that was discussed in detail in my last book with for the Heartland Institute, uh, Power to the People, uh, the New Road to, to Prosperity for the Poor, comma seniors and those most in need of the world's best health care. And that book talked about personal accounts for Social Security, personal savings, investment, and insurance accounts, a freedom to choose those in place of Social Security to provide their Social Security benefits. It talked about talks about block granting welfare back to the states, which we did for one federal welfare program in 1996. It worked spectacularly. Reduced the roles in that in that uh, program by two thirds. The poor gained from that by because they got made more money working instead of uh, living on welfare. And uh, if they would just expand that to the other two, nearly 200 federal means tested welfare programs. It would save the government a fortune, actually, uh, and uh, uh, this is the only way, actually, to reduce government spending in the long run is through entitlement reform. So if we gave people the power to, to have their retirement benefits through the private sector, through private investment, savings investment and insurance, we would dramatically – we wouldn't have to pay Social Security through taxes. We could, we would, people would be earning the money on their own and earning much higher benefits, and if we block granted welfare and had the same results as we had in 1996 – when we block granted just one federal welfare program back to the states, uh, this would eliminate poverty in America entirely. And this is in my latest book, Power of the People, uh, for the uh, for the Heartland Institute, and that was published by the Heartland Institute in in uh, uh, 2000, 2015. And um, and so uh, that's been my career. The Cato Institute promoted the idea for personal accounts for Social Security. To George Bush, he actually ran on that in 2000. He was an elected president, even carrying Florida uh, with uh, with that platform. And uh, uh, but he actually failed to implement that. He did a poor job of, you know. I actually got the future Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, didn't introduce a bill providing for a full uh, option to choose personal. Savings and investment insurance accounts in place of their Social Security benefits, where they would get much higher benefits by investing that the, mo- the money that the tax money that they the workers and their employers pay into Social Security, uh, they would retire as millionaires. And uh, 
after a lifetime of savings and investment. And uh, the welfare block grants would reduce. We spent a trillion dollars a year on welfare. If we block granted that to the states, and we had the same success as we had in 1996 with just one program, that would save uh, a half a trillion dollars for the, for, in federal spending. If you did Social Security, all the annual Social Security benefits of a trillion dollars would ultimately be paid all through the private sector. And, uh, and then if you repealed and replaced Obamacare, so um, I became a close advisor to Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, and he passed through the House the bill that I developed for him to repeal and replace Obamacare. And uh, uh, that almost became law, but except for one vote in the Senate when John McCain refused to vote for it and failed by one vote in the Senate. And so uh, if not for John McCain's uh, uh, foolish uh, uh, backstabbing of the Republican Party, we wouldn't have Obamacare to this day, and we would have much better health care through a competitive, freedom of choice, private system. So all the promises that Obama made for Obamacare, uh, just the opposite happened. So he said if you could – if you, if you liked your health plan, you could keep your health plan. That turned out to be false, according to the bill. If it turned out to say if Obama liked your health plan, you could keep your health plan because millions of people lost their health insurance because it failed to meet uh, all, the, all the regulations of Obamacare. And uh, he said that it uh, would reduce uh, costs for the average family by $2,500 a year. It's increased the cost. By, for the average family, but by much more than $2,500 a year. And uh, uh, so every promise made for Obamacare, to just the opposite happened. And so if they could just repeal and replace it, people would have lower health care costs and much lower taxes and government spending. And this is the only route. These kinds of reforms are the only way to actually balance the, balance the federal budget. And um, so – that, that's been my career. So I've made that argument both for the Heritage Foundation and the Cato Institute, and I was advocating that for years. Yeah, very, very impressive. So a lot of things I want to ask you. Uh, wow, that was, that was quite, quite the resume. I, I want to ask you, so you were involved uh, with this whole repeal of Obamacare? You were, you were kind of you were in that legislation, like you put you put some of it together. Yes, that's right. Uh, um, it was Speaker Paul Ryan. He was the Speaker of the House back then, uh, and when yeah. Trump was first elected, I was a close advisor to him. I recommend gave him recommendations to put in the bill to repeal and replace Obamacare, and they ended up doing it exactly as I proposed it, uh, and it passed the House, uh, and uh, it would have it would have assured health care for, for everybody, actually, at much lower cost and would repeal all the taxes and all the regulations of Obamacare. And we had other ways to guarantee health insurance for pre-existing conditions, so the bill would have done that as well. Uh, it would have block granted Medicaid back to the states, and they would have provided better health care for the poor than the current federal program does. So all, all those things were in the bill to repeal and replace Obamacare. And would have, would have, they would have come through on the original promises that Barack Obama gave to get Obamacare enacted, but only through the free market. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, wouldn't, it didn't work when Obama tried to do it through the government. Yeah, and and you know, we doesn't it drive you crazy 
how, like, like go, going back to, I mean, you know, I, for, first off, I, I want I want to ask you about that, but just staying on this for a second, this whole John McCain thing and how he, how one guy ruined it for everybody. I mean, it's ridiculous how corrupt he was in his later years, and I mean, he he was probably corrupt most of his career, but uh, you know, I, he just became so radicalized in his late, in, you know, later in his life, and. You know, I, this Obamacare repeal was supposed to be a big victory for Trump, and bitter people like John McCain couldn't handle it. Um, and it's sad how um, it turned into that. Because you know what? We were there. Like we had it. We had it in the bag. You were probably very optimistic. Yeah, I was writing about it at the time. I was writing about. I mean, the CBO scored the bill that uh, I developed for Ryan. As reducing taxes by hundreds of billions of dollars a year, reducing spending by hundreds of billions of dollars a year, reducing regulate policy regulations by hundreds of billions of dollars a year, and would have been a big boost to economic growth. Would be would have been part and parcel of the whole Trump economic program. But uh, John McCain was the one vote there that uh, he was in a position to kill it, and when he had that kind of power. He was glad to stick it to his Republican friends. So uh, uh, he was one of these people that used to say about uh, about uh, rhino Republicans like that, Republicans in name only, that in their heart they think they're wrong. In their heart they think they're wrong. It was a it was a Goldwater slogan that in his mm-hmm. a Goldwater slogan was in your heart you know he's right. But uh, what they later said about the, the rhino Republicans, the liberal Republicans, is in their heart they think they're wrong, which is why they never go follow through on conservative economic policies. And that is why they're always a failure. And uh, it's amazing to see the Democrats become radicalized when we have the specter of Venezuela staring us in the face where people are actually drinking out of sewers, starving to death, uh, uh, losing weight, uh, because they can't get enough food to eat. Uh, they were the richest country in South America for years, and uh, now they're one of the poorest countries in South America uh, because they followed socialism. And now the Democrats are running for president next year, and they're saying, vote for us, and we'll bring Venezuela right here, right there, right here to you in America. And uh, look, if you want to live in Venezuela, if you want to live in Cuba, if you want to live in North Korea, nobody's stopping you. You can go right now and move to Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea. But don't bring that to America. So this, this is going to be up to the American people next year. They're going to have this uh, decision to make to uh, continue with the, the booming economic growth that Trump has created, what I call, call the blue-collar recovery. And uh, uh, we have the lowest unemployment that we've had in 50 years. Lowest unemployment for black Americans ever in American history. Lower unemployment for Hispanic Americans ever in American history. Lowest unemployment for Asian Americans in American history. And they say Trump's a racist. Trump is actually leading the most inclusive recovery in American history because the, uh, everybody's benefiting. Blue collar, white blue-collar workers, African Americans, Hispanics, Asians. Even the lower-income people, their wages are going up the most. We have set an all-time record uh, under Trump for median family income. 
got over $65,000 of family. And uh, this is what the numbers show. And uh, so, you know, uh, Trump is making good on all his promises, as, as, I, as everyone seems to know. Yeah, no, no, you're abs- you're absolutely right. And, uh, it's 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 beyond impressive. I mean, what what he's been able to accomplish. And you know, you've been in Washington for a long time. You've been involved, and you worked for Reagan. You worked for Bush. I'm sure you've never seen political hostility or divisiveness to this extent, have you? I know I haven't. Well, you know, uh, people were hostile to Reagan at first, but Reagan was. Like Trump, but but charming. You see, he was the most charming, and so yeah. they couldn't vilify him. You know, he came across right. as everybody's grandfather, avuncular, avuncular uncle, avuncular grand grandfather, and uh, and so uh, they tried to run against him in 1984 with their ultra liberal nonsense. Walter Mondale was the uh, Democrat nominee in 1984. Uh, he said at the Democratic convention. You know, Ronald Reagan's uh, – uh, um, uh, um, if you vote for me, I'll raise your taxes. Ronald Reagan will too, but uh, 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 because they were whining about the deficit. Well, actually, Reagan didn't raise taxes, uh, and uh, he actually cut them again after he was reelected. So right. he cut the tax rate all the way down from 70 percent. was the top rate when he took office. When he got – when he left office. With bipartisan Democrat support, it was reduced all the way to 28%. And what happened to federal revenues while he was president? We cut the rate from 70% down to 28% federal income taxes. Federal revenues actually doubled while he was president because when you lowered the rate, the economy boomed. And uh, that was the third time in the last 100 years that that that, that happened. But cutting tax rates, the economy boomed. It did the same in 1920s, did the same in 1960s under Kennedy. The same in 1980s under Reagan, and that continued until 2007, after Obama right. left. Uh, and Trump achieved the same thing. So four times in the last hundred years, by cutting marginal tax rates, which is a, are the tax rates on the next dollar of income earned, uh, that that's the secret formula. It's not just cutting taxes. You don't give everybody a, a, a tax credit or a tax rebate. But you've got to cut the rates. That's what gives you the incentives to invest and create jobs, start businesses, expand businesses. And uh, so uh, the, the other thing is deregulation is a component, is a companion policy to adopt with that. And those are the two policies yeah. that Trump adopted, cut tax rates and deregulation, particularly in energy. So because of right. Trump's – Deregulation in energy. We actually became energy independent. We're now the number one oil producer in the entire world, more than Saudi Arabia, Russia, all the OPEC nations combined. We're the number one producer of natural gas in the world, uh, more than the Soviets, the Saudi Arabians, the, all of OPEC and uh, combined. And uh, uh, and uh, that's also creating contributing to the blue, blue collar boom because. Manufacturing is very sensitive to energy prices, and because of the low energy prices, being the world's leading producer of low-cost, reliable yeah. energy, uh, right. that's creating a boom in blue-collar jobs. Yeah, and I, I know that I know that you you know 
looking looking at this impeachment, and everything you said is spot on. I agree, and uh, it's it's amazing, you know, how much insight you have and how much knowledge you have about all this stuff, and really, really is uh, inspiring. Uh, I want to ask you. So I'm looking at this whole impeachment nonsense, and we've seen Democrats try to impeach. Other Republicans, I mean, remember when they tried to impeach Reagan over Granada? And I'm sure you worked for him. You worked for him probably during that time. And, I mean, it's just complete nonsense. Same kind of thing. It's a fictional fictional crime that has no merit. There's nothing there. I mean, it's all partisan witchery. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, you know, Democrats are very emotional people. So they couldn't handle it when Nixon was president. They spun out right. and nominated George McGovern, the most ultra-liberal nominee uh, up until that time. Uh, they couldn't handle it when Reagan was president. They spun out and nominated Walter Mondale, who ran on the promise of raising your taxes. And uh, it's the same issues next year, even worse though, because now the Democrats are proposing uh, the most ridiculous tax increases. They're proposing tax, tax increases that will clearly – Throw the economy back into recession. Even under liberal Keynesian economics, uh, tax increases are recessionary. Uh, so they're proposing, proposing enough taxes to take basically a hundred percent of the entire GDP. Uh, when the time they get done with the Green New Deal, Medicare for all, and all, that all, it's all going to add up to basically a hundred percent of GDP. It's going to—it's pure communism. They are proposing literally take all the money produced by the American economy in taxes and give it all away in government spending to 100% of GDP. And so uh, they want to reverse the Cold War. So the Soviets lost the Cold War. Now they want us. They want to restart the Cold War, only this time we lose it because we're going to follow us down the same foolish uh, path as as the Russians did, as the Venezuelans are doing now, as Cuba did, as North Korea – as I say, uh, Democrats are very emotional people. There's no issue on which you can talk to the Democrats about uh, any, any. There's no one issue where you can talk to right. Democrats about anything. You know, if it's climate change, they say, no, that, that's been decided by the scientists. That's all nonsense. The Heartland Institute has produced three 1,000-page volumes. The books are called right. Climate Change Reconsidered 2.0. Each is a 1,000-page right. calm, dispassionate discussion of the science behind global warming. Here's the, here's the truth after reading those 3,000 pages and writing about this for years. The probability of catastrophic results from using fossil fuels are actually less than zero. Less than zero. I, that's based on the actual science. They're, you know, they develop their, their talking points, and it's become a religion for them. You, you either believe in the communist religion that the Democrats are proposing or you don't. And uh, if you uh, don't repeat their talking points, what they believe on any issue, you're immediately uh, racist, homophobe, uh, everything Hillary Clinton said. Uh, you know, people forget, don't know, don't remember that it was really the Republicans that actually fought a civil war to abolish slavery. That's why African Americans were Republicans for uh, decades and decades. Uh, Almost for almost 100 years after the Civil War, black Americans were Republicans. Martin Luther King was originally a Republican because of that legacy. And uh, Jim Crow was a Democrat. 
Jim Crow, that was the, Republic, the Democrat segregationist policies. The Democ- that occurred when Democrats ruled the South because after the Civil War, the, the Civil War was uh, uh, a, 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 a reaction by, uh, to Ab- against Abraham Lincoln, the first Republican. They couldn't handle that Abraham Lincoln was elected president of the United States. And so they re- rebelled. They fired the cannons on Fort Sumter. And uh, they started a rebellion where the, the southern states from Texas to Virginia succeeded from the Union. That was the ultimate resistance. And uh, what you see now under Trump, they're doing the, basically the same thing all over again. And the history of the Democrat Party, they are the racist party. The Ku Klux Klan was a Democrat Party institution coming out of the South, yeah. started by a exactly. Confederate general. Yeah. And all that yeah, – all that. Racial segregation was all imposed by Democrats all across the South, right. and right. it was Republicans that first they hundreds hundreds of thousands of Republicans were actually killed by Democrats during the Civil War, and ultimately yeah. the Republicans prevailed and they adopted the amendment, amendment to abolish slavery. Lincoln gave the Emancipation Emancipation Proclamation, and the country fought this long bloody Civil War. And uh, it was really like it was the it was like World War One fought all entirely within Americans within America with yeah. Democrats actually yeah. shooting Republicans. That was the Civil War, and uh, yeah. they would do that again today if they thought they could get away with it. And uh, right, uh, they, they may yet. Yeah, it's it's a ridiculous it's a ridiculous situation. It really is. Uh, Peter, I, I do got to go to a commercial, and I. I I love love talking to you. I could talk to you all day. Amazing points. I really appreciate it. Uh, tell everybody where they can find your book, though, and get involved and connect with you. Okay, heartland.org. If you go to heartland.org and you tell them you want uh, the book Power to the People by Peter Ferrara, I believe you can get it for free there uh, just by asking uh, asking for the book. So uh, uh, get go to heartland.org online. If you have any trouble uh, getting it, go look up the Heartland Institute online and call them and tell them you want a copy of Peter Farrar's book, Power to the People. And it will tell you uh, how to reform all the entitlement programs, Social Security, welfare, uh, 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 stuff we're spending trillions of dollars a year on. And you can, you can achieve uh, all the, the, the goals of those programs at uh, far less expense through the private sector. So if you block grant welfare back to the states, you eliminate poverty in America. If you give people the freedom to choose private savings, investment insurance accounts for Social Security, you will get people at middle income people can retire as millionaires. We, we already have a program in current law which allows people to choose private health insurance to replace Medicare. And uh, yeah. one-third of all seniors have already used that option to choose the private health insurance. Now, right. so, you know, this is a, you know, Democrats, Medicare was for, is for senior citizens. Like, yeah. I, like Peter, I, I got to go to commercial. I, I got I okay. to run to a commercial here. Um, I am I am on a timer. I do got to run to a commercial, but uh, I do thank you for coming on. Um, I no, but I agree with everything you're saying. It's very important. Um, we have to take care of of, of the whole. Healthcare situation. I mean, it's it's a mess. It really is. There's a lot of things that need to be uh, fixed. That's for sure. 
All right, very good. Uh, uh, Peter, thank you so right. much. We'll, we'll definitely talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, thank you. I'll be glad to do it anytime. Talk to you later. All righty. Take care. All right, bye. Uh, we'll be right back, everybody. Stay with us. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday's, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. 
With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaceSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind the scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 25 different countries and nearly 70 online platforms. Everybody, it's a beautiful night. Uh, a lot to get to. I want to introduce to the show. I believe he's with us right now. We have popular talk show host, commentator, and best-selling author, Armin Brat. Armin, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Rory. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Armin, first time on the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself, You know how it all started for you, how you, get, how you got to where you are. I read up on you. You've, got, you've done a lot of amazing things, incredible resume. You've written a lot of books. You've done a lot of different columns and appeared on a lot of stations, and it goes on. It's, it's quite impressive. Well, so I think I, I would have to say that I started probably 25, well, more than 25 years ago when my first child wasn't quite born yet, and uh, there were no resources for me as an, as an expectant father. I was looking for information. There, was, there were no classes. There were no support groups or anything like that at all. And uh, I like to tell people, although I think they've changed this a little bit, that there was only one little thing in, in the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting. There's a little paragraph at the end about why men would have affairs during their wife's pregnancy, which was not the kind of support I was looking for. So I set about to, to write the book that I wish I would have had at the time. And ultimately those uh, over the past 25 years have become very popular. I'm constantly updating them. There's one, the first one was called The Expectant Father, uh, then there was one called the the new father, the dad's guide of the first year. Then there's a dad's guide to the toddler years. There's one for single fathers. And because I was in the Marine Corps years before I got started with fatherhood, I did one for fathers in the military as well. And uh, that led me to as a, you know, constantly being up to my ears in fatherhood stuff and researching and talking and, and uh, started my own talk show, as you mentioned, talking about parenting. And uh, 
that drew me to a lot of other issues that were affecting men as well, and uh, just having to do with men's health, men's mental health and physical health, and why is it that we don't take care of ourselves the way that we ought to, and what is it that's driving the fact that three-quarters of the suicides are men, and what is it that's driving the fact that uh, something like 70 or 75% of all opiates, opiate-related deaths are men, and why is it that, that we are 90% of the the uh, workplace fatalities and uh, having to do with accidents and everything. And well, what is going on there? And why, why is it that, that that's not being paid attention to? We talk an awful lot as a society about women's health, which is great. We should women, women, everybody should be healthy. But the, the point is that we're missing out half the population. Men live five years shorter lives than women do. And nobody seems to care. So I've been making that, I switched a little bit. I'm still doing a lot of fatherhood stuff, but in, in the past uh, year or so, I've really decided that I want to focus on on men's health and was able to launch a column that's syndicated nationally. It's in uh, probably 50 or 60 different places around the country, and yeah. it's all about men's health and the obstacles that we face and what we need to do to right. really make sure that men can have an opportunity to live as long and as healthy as women do. Yeah, and I love it, dude. I love it, especially with the war right now with, you know, the the smelly and angry feminists. I mean, these people are terrible, and I want to get into the whole feminism nonsense in a second. But, I mean, I see, you know, I, I noticed that your stuff has been included in Time, Newsweek, Washington Post, New York Times, Men's Health, uh, Sports Illustrated, Huffington Post, Dr. Phil, Yahoo. You've also um, – done stuff with Wall Street Journal, Chicago Tribune, Times of London, Today Show, CBS, Fox News, CNN, goes on and on, O'Reilly Factor. Look at you, man. Good stuff. <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun, and I got to say, just as an aside, I wasn't planning to go this way, but I just happened to be, while, while I was waiting uh, to, to be on the show, I turned on the, the debates, and yeah. Andrew Yang oh, happened to have show, said right? something. What a circus. Well, yeah, and, and uh, Andrew Yang said something along the lines of, uh, you know, men, yeah. when they when they get together, they're idiots. I think, you know, oh, if somebody would have said that about women or somebody would have said that yeah. about African-Americans or anybody, he'd be run out of the run out of town. And Racist, it's sexist, okay. yeah, they would be screaming, yeah. Yeah, it's okay to say that about men. In particular, white men, but but men generally speaking, it's okay to to say that we're idiots or they're stupid or they should get out of the way. That's what Obama said today or yesterday, and it's it's just it's very disheartening because I think it doesn't do anybody any good. It's something people laugh at and say ha ha, but then you realize you you know it's it's just as offensive to say that. I mean, if somebody would say whatever somebody would say, some some nasty stereotypical thing about anybody, I would say cut that out. Would you please, <laughs> you yeah. know, or, or something or, but, but people just let it stand when it's men. And there's this idea that we have all the power and, and we don't. I mean, there are a few guys who have power and there are a few guys who behave badly and, and were the reason behind the Me Too movement getting so popular. But the majority of men are good guys. And and we aren't trying to hurt anybody else. We're not. We're treating women well. We're treating our our daughters and the people that we work with well. And to to paint us all with the brush of of abuser or harasser or just bad person generally is is really offensive. 
And we look at, you know, what feminism has caused, and it's caused this huge divide. It's caused this huge, disgusting epidemic where these women march through the streets. They feel like they have to prove something. They need validation. They have this entitlement because they're so insecure, and they want to be alpha and superior to men, and they generalize men like, oh, my God. I mean, it's it's become a hate group. It's become so radicalized and so, oh, my, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's it's to a whole nother level. No, and, and what, what really disturbs me most, I've got, I've got three daughters, so I, so I, I am aware of these things. I, I pay a lot of attention to this, and they, they talk to me a lot about it. But I, I tell them and tell anybody else who will listen, so now it's your turn, that you, know, you don't advance women by taking something away from men. You don't advance right. any group by taking something away from some other group. You advance other groups by getting them up to where everybody else is if you think that you're, you're in a – in a deficient position. And what's right. going on, I think, in, in some aspects of, of feminism is that they, they believe that the thing to do is to take down men, but that's not going to help. And, and on, on men's health, when it comes to that, when I talk about men's health and I try to talk about it as much as I can, a lot of times I get pushback from people and they say, you're trying to take something away from women's health. And I'm saying, are you kidding me? I'm not. If you have healthier men... You're going to have healthier women. You're going to have healthier families. I mean, how, how much? I, I just what, one of the guests you had on just right before me, I think, was talking about the what things could be done about the federal deficit and federal budget. And I did a, a paper a couple of years ago talking about. I basically said, um, men live five years shorter than women, and nobody cares. So let's talk about how much it costs us in terms of tax revenue that, that the government isn't receiving because these guys are dead and lost productivity and payments to widows and orphans and survivors and, and all sorts of government programs. It turned out it was $450 billion a year that it costs us to not pay attention to what's going on with men's health. And that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money we'd all like to have running around our society. I mean – it's it really it, it disturbs me that we're looked at as being the source of all evil. Yeah, and you know it, what amazes me and what we've come to is that you know it's men are the I mean, in terms of fairness, in terms of due process, in terms of ethics. I mean, the men are the men are the minority right now. We're not we're not in. Uh, you know, the women, women think they, they are still oppressing the feminists. I'm going to say feminists. You know, the feminists think that. Yeah. Like, they, they think that men are still the enemy. But in reality, with everything with the Me Too, with everything that's happened, I think men are in more harm than ever before. I mean, we're seeing different men come out in different studies saying they're scared to go around certain women because, you know, some of these psychotic episodes and this whole superior and alpha uh, mindset yeah. that these that they yeah. carry. Well, I, I what I just looked at a couple of studies and and was surprised, but I thought it was not terribly surprising in a way. It was fairly predictable that that now young male executives are often saying, "I will not have a one-on meeting behind closed doors with a woman. Right. I will not. Right. I will not go out to lunch one-on-one with a woman. If I have to take a business trip with a female co- uh, colleague." 
she's going to have a room on another floor than me because I don't want anybody to be thinking anything at all. And you think, wow, that's terrible. It's terrible for him because he's not getting an opportunity to work with somebody he could probably learn something from. But it's terrible for her too, especially junior women who are not getting the opportunity to be mentored by people who could help them in their careers because of the the act of a few bad apples has somehow poisoned the the rest of the barrel for everybody else. And so you've got the the 97% of of guys who are – perfectly fine but who are being looked at with suspicion and that doesn't make them want to to help anybody yeah yeah and, and here, here's the problem is that you know and i say this all the time is not enough people are giving our president the credit he deserves especially on the left for exposing the Me Too movement, for like, you know, exposing all these people, these high ups like Harvey Weinstein, Charlie Rose, Matt Lauer, because if, Hil- if people like Hillary would have gotten power, the, 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 this whole Me Too movement would have never happened because all these people that were sexual predators giving Hillary money, it would have just kept going. Yeah, Jeffrey Epstein and probably a lot of other people. And, and, and Hillary was exactly. one of the first people to detract. She she didn't want to hear, and she threatened some of the people who accused Bill Clinton. So, yeah, and, and, and I think you know, with this thing that Obama said, it was going to be yesterday or today, I can't remember now, about how men need to get out of the way. And if women were running things, we'd, we'd be all, a lot better off. I don't know that that's true. I think in, there are a lot of stories out there, and a lot of them get stifled. But a lot of stories of women harassing men. And then when they complain, they don't get taken seriously or women harassing other women on the job and they don't terribly get taken too terribly seriously either. I'm not sure that, that power or corruption is a gender based thing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just not convinced of that. I mean, you look at Angela Merkel in, in Germany or Maggie Thatcher in, in England, they were pretty tough or they are pretty tough. I mean, in, in the case of Merkel, and, and where women have been in charge, they have done terrible things too. So I, I'm not, uh, I'm not a big believer in the, oh, women are the, women good, men bad, is kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, and you know, like your books. Talk about your books because I know you get into a lot of details about, like you talk about men's health, and you really get into the specifics and about what we struggle with and what we have to deal with. And, uh, you know, and, and it, it's, it's so amazing that we have people like you out there, you know, fighting for us because I mean, it's, it's, there's not enough of you guys there. It's too, it, it's take, it's been taken over by radical feminists in a lot of ways by, you know, I mean, if you talk about men's rights on certain networks or certain places, you're immediately called a sexist. I mean, it's such a crazy standard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let me tell you about the the column that I launched, which is called Healthy Men, and it it may be available in a newspaper or website near you already. Uh, Otherwise, you can look at healthymentoday.com, all one word. And I'm looking at all different aspects of men's health, and I've looked at at, uh, the epidemic of, of suicides, particularly white male suicides that people are ignoring completely why it is that women are living longer than men and why are girls living longer than men. And one that seems to really get a chord recently is on loneliness, the male loneliness and what, what is going on with that and, and how it is that 
loneliness is leading to all sorts of permanent health problems in terms of of diabetes and cancer growing more aggressively and job poor job performance and poor relationship issues uh, but also yeah. longer term I mean I don't want to permanent those are permanent because those last forever but the terminal problems as well right. such as suicide and opiate deaths because there, there's a direct yeah. line between being lonely and doing some terrible thing because you don't think that you have a purpose in life anymore and so that th- those are the, some of the issues that I'm really looking at and and I think it's it's something I hope more people will pay attention to because pretty much everybody has a man in their family somewhere uh, you may not you may not love him, but he, he's there. Whether it's a brother, a son, father, brother, whatever it is, and chances are the guy needs some help or needs to be paid attention to. There, there's so many things that happen with the with the way men are socialized that we we're socialized to be tough and to be strong for our family. So we don't go to the doctor when something hurts us. We wait until it's bleeding, or wait until we can't get out of bed, or we can't walk, or more likely, we'll wait until a woman in our life says, "Go to the doctor, you idiot." Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it, it's tragic. It really is tragic, and it's hurting all of us by ignoring men and men's health needs, which are are different from women's. Right. So very very well said. I, you know, I could talk to you all day, my friend. I definitely want to get you back on the program soon. This has been amazing. Um, I, I do gotta I do gotta let you go though, but please tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you, buy your books, all that good stuff. Okay, so the again the column is healthymentoday dot com and all of my books are at my website, mrdad.com, M R D A D dot com, or you can look up up uh, Brot B R O T T is the last name, Armin A R M I N. Uh the, you can get the books all over Amazon and everywhere else or probably they're available in most of local bookstores as well. So Everything is all there and tons of articles and thousands of podcasts of the the radio show. It's all there. It's all free. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it really is a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much, Armin. Uh, let's definitely talk soon. Okay. Thanks a lot, Rory. Take care. All right. God bless. Take care. Um, let's welcome to the show. I do want to welcome, I believe he's with us right now. We have founder of the Go Right Movement and Mega One Radio Network, Peter Boykin. What's up, Peter? How you doing, buddy? Welcome to the show. Thank you. How's it going? I'm doing well. And you? What, what's been, tell us a little bit about yourself. First time on the show. What have you been working on? What, what uh, obviously you're doing, you're doing quite a bit of big things, man. Well, yeah, I am the uh, managing director and founder of the Go Right, hashtag Go Right Movement. Um I uh, previously, you know, founded the uh, Gays for Trump uh, movement, but uh, MAGA First News, MAGA One Radio, uh, but Go Right is something that we can do for the future, and it's all about basically getting the right people elected for the position, getting things going, more moving the needle more towards the right, um, yeah. but it's also doing right, being right, you know, doing right, uh, being right, you know, and going right. Uh, so we're going to work hard for 2020 to make sure that Donald Trump gets reelected and also set things up for the future, especially for myself here in North Carolina. Because I do plan on running for U.S. Congress in the very near future. I love it. I love it. So 
tell us a little bit about the Go Right movement because I know you're really, you know, working on that and it's turning into a movement. You're you're getting a lot of good uh, feedback. Tell us about that. What what exactly uh, the just the the uh, specifics? Well, much like uh, many of the uh, other types of movements, um, sort of in sort of like turning point, like a tur- like a similar to a turning point. Something like that. Um, I mean, where where some people say Turning Point and Charlie Kirk and all them, they do great. A lot of them try to say that they're conservative ink, you know, and they got to stick to a script and they got to do this just right and just that right. You know, I've always said I'm against extremism on both ends of the of the market. So I've teetered on the line of conservative ink and also on the line of a little bit more farther to the right you know, support of, like, info wars and, you know, crowd boys oh, yeah. and like that, oh, yeah. you know, in my Milopolis. And, you know, so I, I am someone who is basically an engagement manager between the two, but also someone who's very much grassroots, which a lot of places that claim they're grassroots forget that they are supposed to be grassroots. I am someone who has been controversial, will be controversial, and always going to be controversial. And uh, I do things for fun and satire, and also um, I've created funny videos that make fun of Trump, but some people might get offended. But, you know, Trump makes fun of himself, so it's all in good fun and good taste. You know, if you can't laugh at yourself, then, I mean, what the heck are we going to laugh about, you know? Um was it RuPaul said, you can't love yourself. Who the hell are you going to love? You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> go right. So, basically all about the right, right people. I, I mean, know, go right about getting those undecided voters, those unaffiliated voters. Because anybody, especially in North Carolina, who's a registered unaffiliated voter is really a Republican. They're just afraid. They say that they are. Or they can't because they might lose their job. I mean, I'm whipping up right now saying, why are the hell are we not, re- you know, why weren't we counter-protesting all those 600 protests across the nation? You know, I kept saying, why Why is the RNC touting how much money they're making and how much we're paying them and donating, but yet we can't spend a little bit of that money in counter-protests? And I get ticked off when people say, well, we voted the booth, and I'm like, well, the midterms, we didn't. We lost. Why are we dealing with all the stuff we're dealing with now is because we lost. We didn't get to the voting booth. Uh, I mean, I ran for office. I had 24% of the vote. If all the Republicans would have came out, I could have won. But they give up too easily, and we're afraid to get down and dirty and get in the dirt and play with the left You know, in that, in that sense. We think that the left are we, – we, we insanely think the left are going to continue doing – you know they're going to play by the rules, and we're not even paying, we're not even playing by our own playbook. We need to realize and take note. Why did we defeat the British? Because the British played by the rules, and we didn't. We hid in the trees, we got camouflaged, and we beat the crap out of the British. The left are beating the crap out of the Republicans because they don't play by the rules. They continue and continue and continue, and they don't give up. And the Republicans just honestly just need to quit. They need to realize that we have to do what we need to do, and Donald Trump's doing what he needs to do because he doesn't necessarily play by the conservative rules, which, you know, right. is getting him in trouble, you know, but everybody talks about his tweets and 
you know, but that's what people want. That's what we voted for. That's what 63 million people voted for. Yeah, and, and here, here's, here's something, you know, I wanted to ask you about. You know, I know North Carolina uh, has a lot of illegal aliens, and, you know, there, apparently there were certain reports out recently that they're getting them to vote and stuff. And I'm just wondering, do you think North Carolina is for sure a Trump victory in 2020, or do you think it could go either way? Uh, North Carolina, I still think, would go for Donald Trump, uh, honestly. Now, what I'm worried about, the fact is that we have lost um, – we lost we, – we, our congressmen, the gerrymandering and crap that they're doing in district, we're going to have a tough uphill battle to regain local control because we have right. a lot of – got a lot of seats. But honestly – Okay, look at my county, Guilford County, uh, now uh, County 6, I think, on there. Uh, we have all Guilford County and half of the uh, county right outside, which is half of Winston-Salem. Now, people go, oh, well, that's all going to go to liberals because we look at the numbers. And like they said, they got a nine-point spread on the numbers. But I look at it this way. Yes, we got more registered Democrats than Republicans, but we have a crap ton of undecided voters. So all we need to do is to concentrate on those undecided voters because they will vote for us if we can get the word out. And there's like 86,000 uh, unregistered households here in Guilford County. 36,000 of those are Republican. A lot of those are undecided. If we can hit those and hit them going and do the right thing and get it out there, then we can take control and keep control. Um, yeah. But we also – we got Mark Walker. He's not running for Congress. We got uh, Mark Meadows, who just announced he's not the day before you're supposed to register. So I don't even know if we have anybody taking his place. Um, I don't know, if, which makes me wonder if both. Now I know both of those work really, really tight with the Trump campaign, so they're probably spending every effort for 2020. But it kind of right. we know Richard Burr is going to not run in 2022 for senator. So we, Mark Walker has already said, expressed that he wants to run in that spot. With Mark Meadows stepping down too, I kind of feel like we might be having a future battle between the two Marks. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard anything from Mark Meadows about him running. I know for one, I will be reaching out to both of those gentlemen and probably writing more letters directly to Trump because obviously I can't get social media to reach him anymore. I used to be able to do it a little bit better when I was on Twitter and verified, but they squashed my uh, voice from there after I decided to run. Um, I think it's going to have to be me writing personal letters to these individuals and say, look, you need me on the team. I'll do what I can volunteer-wise. If you can hire me, that'd be great because, I mean, i got bills like everybody else. Uh, and let them know right. I'm trying to prepare for the future, I would love to run for U.S. Congress, but I can't do it. And the only way we can do it is building the base and building. And like they said, in 2008, North right. Carolina, they registered the Democrats registered a half a million voters here, and it really put us behind yeah. behind lot. And we've got to yeah. build North Carolina back. We are purple. We're a purple right. state. Thing. Right. But. Because we were 100 and something, 140 some years ran by uh, Democrats who at that time yeah. gerrymandered them like crazy. 
I mean, now the Republicans have got over. They're talking about gerrymandering and we're gerrymandering this and that. So stupid. Yeah. Peter, Peter, real quick, uh, tell everybody where they can connect with you. I'm going to come back to you. I got to just, I got to get, I, 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 we have a little bit longer in the show, but tell everybody where they can get involved. Uh, right now, you can go to peterboykin.com. You can also find me on Telegram, which is t.me slash realpeterboykin. You can go to the Facebook page. Just do a hashtag, uh, go right, especially if you add Peter Boykin with it, you're going to find it. They've got multiple pages out there on Facebook, although they're not allowing me to speak a lot. I can push out things on my pages. Um, that's where most of the information is there. You can reach out to me directly. Just look for my name. It's not a not a common name, so there's only so many Peter Boykins out there, and they're usually me. <laughs> per- perfect, Peter. Well, you know, I love I love having you on. Stay with us. Um, I'm gonna go, I gotta go to uh, Cor- Corey. Go ahead. I know you had some thoughts on everything. I want to get to you, um, and I gotta get to a, a few more people before we close the show. But go ahead. Yeah, sure thing. So um, I guess during your show tonight, there was, I guess, I didn't even know there was a Democratic debate on, but there were some interesting things that were being said. I think you're... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, that's one of of those things. It's like every time there's a debate on, like I I end up reviewing the same talking points. I mean, it's like like the (laughs) definition of insanity. I mean, these people are like, they're like ridiculous Demons. I mean, they're the devil. It's absurd. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It is. No, no, it is. And that's why I had no idea that it was on tonight because I don't really care to watch it. It's complete garbage. Um, and I think one of your earlier guests had used a quote from uh, Andrew Yang during the uh, – and I'm going to uh, trust that he watched the debate and, and getting – he got the quote accurately. But he saw, said something about whenever men – a group of men get together, um, they always cause trouble. You know, Whenever men come together, they always cause trouble or, or chaos or something along those lines. But has this guy has, – has Andrew Yang ever heard of the Founding Fathers? The Founding Fathers, that's a group of men that came together and, I don't know, made the greatest country in the history of the world. Um, and, and your last guest made a lot of interesting points, that, uh, and I'm not going to talk about that too much because he, he was the expert on, on really the entire issue, but there is an attack on men in this country. Men are being taught to hate ourselves uh, for things that we've never done. Um, we are told that we have oppressed women in this country. White men especially have been told that we've oppressed minorities. But it couldn't be further from the truth. I've never done such a thing. In fact, my ancestors fought to end slavery. They fought to give equal rights. And uh, so it, there, there needs to be a new approach in how we, we address men, how we address uh, white men in this country specifically. Uh, I think it's to the detriment of our culture and society when we do that. And speaking of our culture and society, you brought out uh, something earlier in your show about uh, really the overarching liberal agenda, which has really motivated everything that's gone on from the impeachment hearings to transgender bathrooms. So this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to destroy our values. They're trying to destroy our culture. Um, they're trying to redefine terms, and that goes into transgenderism. Um, they're trying to normalize abnormal and degenerate behavior. And what I mean by that is, let's say I'll use this guy as an example. I'm sure you guys have heard of Tank uh, Uger. So Uger is the host of the Young Turks, and it's really the largest. Uh, Corey, uh, I, I, I don't want to interrupt. I can give you like two more minutes. Sure. Continue, though. I, I just wanted to let you know we are on a, a, a time thing. I got about four or five minutes left in the show. Like, go ahead. Sure, 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 sure. I'll get 
one, two minutes. So Shank Uger, the host of the Young Turks, um, this is a guy that's running for Congress and Katie Hill. And Katie Hill was the girl that got pushed out of Congress basically because she had the whole uh, uh, sexting thing and having uh, sexual relations with an intern and things of that nature. But he's running for her empty seat in California. This man, Shank Uger, has, has advocated for bestiality, the legalization of bestiality. And they're trying to normalize behavior that 10, 15 years ago, conservatives, really most people in the country would have considered to be repugnant or abhorrent. So, um, yeah. you know, they're trying to normalize these destructive uh, behaviors that are going to degrade our culture, and we've already seen that. And so that's why Democrats can go through this impeachment process without pushback from the media, because we don't we, we right. don't have a, a, a group of people in our country any longer that are taking the stance, a moral stance against inherently evil activity. And so, last thing I'll say going into the new year is that conservatives that are listening to the show take a stance in your workplace, at your school. Um, uh, in your church, take a stance against this progressive, liberal, evil agenda, because if we don't take it in 2020, then our country is doomed. Very true. Very true. I can give you I can give you about 30 seconds if you want to do a quick summary about the impeachment. I know you wanted to mention. Quickly, though. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, last quick summary is that ultimately Democrats are ashamed of, of themselves, and there was actually a video that I saw tonight actually on, on uh, Instagram of Democrat Congresswoman. Haley Stevens. Yeah. So she was basically hiding yeah. her face as she left her office um, um, in D.C. And like I said earlier, you have Jeff Van Drew from uh, New Jersey that's changing his, his party yeah. affiliation. So not only do Republicans, uh, not, not, not only do all Republicans stand against this impeachment proceeding, but you have Democrats who are even ashamed of the radical fringe right. wing of their party. And so if, if you're on the fence about this impeachment, err on the side of caution and join the people that are on the right side of history, conservatives. Republicans have taken a stance. And let's take this stance together this year and into, into next fall during yeah. the election. I love it. I love it. Tell everybody where they can connect with you quickly. Yes, sir. Yep, yep. Find me on uh, Twitter at the Corey, and then uh, Instagram at the Corey Jones. Have a uh, Merry Christmas, Rory, and uh, Happy New Year as well. Absolutely, my friend. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. We'll talk to sure. you in twenty, the first week in twenty twenty in January. Uh, Tim, yep, Tim Baker, go ahead. Yeah, great show as always. Uh, I have to say, they're correct that they want to take our culture. And our history from us, they purposely go after men, uh, men and um, manhood. They want to change who we are as a nation. But I always tell people when they do that, that doesn't mean that the other countries change. So you take away our masculinity in this country, Russia, China, they're still going to have it. And we are at a huge disadvantage when you change the ideology like that. Same thing when they talk about global warming and pollution. These other countries aren't doing uh, the changes that they they are requiring, yet they force us to try to do these things. It puts us at a disadvantage, which is what they want. So um, I like to tell everybody I definitely could use your help uh, with our campaign. We are one of the 19 seats uh, that have been identified to flip this, this Congress. You can reach me at timfazenbaker.com. Facebook, you can find me at Fazenbaker for Congress. Or on Twitter at America One Tim Faze. We always need uh, more help and support any way you can, and I appreciate everything. And Rory, awesome 2019 for your show, and look forward to 2020. All right, God bless you, Tim. Thank you so much. I always love having you on. God bless. Thanks.
uh, everybody. It's um, it's been a real pleasure. Um, what a way to go into 2020. Perfect way to end 2019. Episode 230, another episode. Wow, this is uh, what a gift. What an honor. Um, I love you all. Uh, a lot of big stuff planned for the 2020 uh, the Rory Sauter Show. And uh, I will make a lot of announcements. And everybody, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. I'll miss, I'll miss you all for the next couple of weeks, but uh, I will see you all when I get back. Uh, and everybody, give your families a hug. Enjoy the moments. And uh, don't take anything for granted. All right. Uh, I'm Rory Sodder. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.